welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. So my message subject today, write this down, is revive prayer, shifting the mindset, shifting the mindset. So I want to pray right now. God, I pray that you would during this time just revive in our heart a heart to pray. God, where we feel dull, maybe in our the way we communicate to you, the way we have conversation with you, because really prayer is just conversation with you, conversation about life, conversation about everything and anything. That is prayer. What we meditate on when we're still is prayer. There's so many elements of prayer that, God, I feel like we don't understand. And I pray for a spirit of understanding, revelation, wisdom to come uh, over every household watching right now and that you'd revive us into a place where we have a shifted mindset to see the value of our prayer life in this season, even more during quarantine, because we're quarantined for revival. You're reviving our heart, reviving our soul in this season. And so I just pray that for everybody watching, that we would not leave this broadcast, whether we're watching after the fact or right now, that we would not leave it catching something for our own life concerning the power of our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about developing a prayer culture within our lives. Remember this. I want to say this at the the forefront of this. Prayer is not something we do. It's something that we are. Prayer is not what we do. Prayer is who we are, okay? Our values overflow in what we do, okay? We don't do healthy We are healthy, therefore we do healthy things. And so I want to say this because I think a lot of us, we pray, we do the work of prayer randomly once in a while, but we don't represent a person or a people who just pray all the time, where prayer is part of our culture. We want prayer to be part of our culture, our personal culture, our family culture. Culture, the definition of culture, is something that's been cultivated over time, okay? So over and over and over again, it's been consistent. You're constantly cultivating something which turns into the word, turns into this concept or understanding of culture. We want a prayer culture. That's the goal of heaven for you, is that you would have a personal prayer culture. You don't just do prayer. You don't do your daily prayers. People who say that, well, I'm doing my Daily prayers, well, it's kind of like a token thing. I, I put my work in. I, I, I put my time on the clock. You know, I, I checked off the, the box on the list. No, prayer is an ongoing 24-hour-a-day conversation, even if you're not communicating. This is what we're talking about today. Even if you're not communicating, you can be praying by just simply thinking, by simply meditating on the reality of who Jesus is, okay? And we're going to address this a little Later on, I remember in the very beginning, the very beginning, because let me just say this before I I dive into this, this one concept, communication doesn't mean you're in conversation. Communication often can feel like a one-way street. 
conversation is two-way. Conversation is like a two-lane highway. You have traffic going and traffic coming. Communication often feels like it's just going. It's just you're communicating, communicating, communicating. There's no conversation. The kind of culture that God wants to revive in us, if it was never existed before or even create in us, is moving from communicated prayer to conversational prayer, where we learn to communicate and then hear, which is conversation. It's like in marriage, you can communicate, but it doesn't mean you're having healthy conversation. You can share all the things that you're going through, it doesn't mean that you're having a two-way conversation. You could be vomiting all your issues, vomiting all your emotions on your spouse, and really in the end, no one's having a conversation, you're just communicating, but it's not healthy communication. Prayer, what we're talking about today, is learning how to have healthy conversation, healthy conversation in our prayer life with God, okay? So in the beginning, and I have to say this because this is what shaped my life and shaped my concept of the value of prayer, is in the very beginning, when I was an 18-year-old and had my encounter in the car and my world was flipped upside down, the number one thing that started me off, and I don't, I don't know, it wasn't that I... I asked for it. It wasn't that I was necessarily seeking it. I was just doing it. I was just doing it. I wanted to be in every prayer meeting possible. If there was a prayer meeting going on at my church, I wanted to be there. I, you know, I wanted to go before church started and pray. I wanted to be in prayer all the time. In fact, the first six months, I spent four to eight hours a day in prayer and studying the Bible and then taking that out to the street and sharing my story and things were happening. That's how I was introduced to healing and the miraculous and the voice of God. By taking what was happening in my prayer life and bringing it out into the bar, into the club, that's where I started seeing the craziest stuff happen. It was the overflow of who I became in prayer. But every opportunity that I could get to be in a meeting or a moment of prayer, I wanted to be there. I was hungry to develop conversation with God. I was hungry to develop connection with God. And I just had this knowing, whether I understood it fully or not, that this was a part of seeking God. This was a part of being, you know, connected in relationship and developing relationship. If you read, you know, back in Numbers and you read about Moses and about how Moses was leading the Israelites through the wilderness and how he had this temporary place called the tent of meeting that he would set up and they would take it down and set it up and take it down, kind of a foreshadowing of the future temple, a place meeting with God. He would literally go into the tent of meeting. He would go in, you can read it in Exodus 33, you can also read it in Numbers, but he would go into the tent of meeting and he would literally speak to God face to face as a friend speaks to his friend. And if you understand, to understand the concept of what it means from a Hebraic uh, perspective of what that means, it literally means he could feel the breath of God on his face. He was so close to God. It's like getting so close to somebody that when they talk to you, you feel their breath. You know, and most people don't want to feel that. But with God, that's that's the illustration. That's the picture being drawn. Moses speaking to God face to face as a friend speaks to a friend, seeing the form of the Lord, number says, seeing the form of God, he was so close, he could feel like literally it was like the breath of God on his face. Well, that's what conversation, that's what intimate conversation looks like. It says in the end of 2 Corinthians regarding communion with the Holy Spirit, when you break down the word communion, one of the definitions actually, even in the Webster's Dictionary, is social intercourse, where you're so connected and so close to God 
in communication and conversation, it's like the, the, the greatest level of intimacy possible. It's like, I feel your breath on my face. That's the goal. We want to be so connected that it's a two-way communication conversation. That's the goal. That's what we're talking about today. And I had this heart in the beginning. And I don't know what it did. I mean, I know what it did now. It put a foundation in my life for the value and the power of prayer and the different types, the different levels, the different dimensions of, of praying and intercession and learning how to stand in the gap for somebody, being a mediator between two people or two realities or two circumstances or, or travailing, which I'm not going to get into, and feeling the weight and the burden of God and just praying from that place or, you know, learning the, my, my prayer language, Romans 8.26, and we don't know how to pray as we ought, but it's the Spirit himself that intercedes for us, that makes groans that cannot be expressed in Words Like there's different levels and types and forms of prayer, which I'm not going to necessarily get into, but I'm going to give you the basic foundation today. And this is what God wants to do. He wants to give us a heart to pray. He wants to give us a heart to seek him out this way. So I want to give you three key mindsets that I believe God wants to shift us into today and in this season moving forward. Three key mindsets when it comes to prayer that keep the light sound and atmosphere of the power of his name at the center of our universe, center of our lives. And so I'm going to start with number one, we need to have an all-the-time mindset. Write that down. We need to have an all-the-time mindset. This is the first layer, getting an all-the-time mindset that we don't do our daily prayers. We don't have like just like a, a, a moment where we do our daily prayers and that's it. And then we peace out. We disconnect. We're like, okay, God, like that was enough conversation for the day. That's not the kind of prayer we see modeled in Scripture or the kind of model that Paul models in Scripture, which we'll dive into a little bit more. Let me read this out of the book of Thessalonians, okay? Now, Paul is writing the book of Thessalonians, and he's encouraging the believers at Thessalonica who are actually a community of new believers, okay? They're, they're pretty much brand new. Uh, scholars say they've probably only been walking with God for a few months at this time, and Paul's purpose in writing this letter, these two letters, in fact, to the believers at Thessalonica is to encourage them in their trials, to encourage them in their challenges, and giving them some basic instructions around living godly, living a whole life, okay? So let's dive into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Verse 16, out of the message translation, it says this, be cheerful, no matter what, pray all the time. Pray all the time. I love that. Just pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Let me read it in a different translation. Out of the New King James Version. Let me read it to you. Out of the New King James Version. Rejoice always, it says. This is verse 16. Verse 17 says this. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I love this. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. I believe that a lot of us, what quenching the Spirit is, is basically putting the Holy Spirit aside and missing the spiritual opportunity at hand. When you quench the Spirit, you, you say, Holy Spirit, okay, I'm going to include you right now, but I'm going to exclude you the rest of the time. I'm going to exclude you. To exclude the Holy Spirit 
is to quench the Holy Spirit in specific circumstances and situations. Let's read it again. Rejoice always, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. It says this. This is the will of God. It is the will of God, it says in verse 18. It says, in everything give thanks, this is the will of God. It is the will of God, you guys. It is the will of God in Christ Jesus to pray without ceasing, to have ongoing conversation. If you want to know the will of God in your life, number one, it's really simple. Heaven on earth through you. That's the Matthew 6 prayer. That the kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what? If you study heaven and the afterlife in the book of Revelation, you'll see it very quickly and very obviously that the one thing you will do for all eternity is worship and pray, okay? Worship and pray. You're just gonna be like awestruck the whole time, hanging out on a sea like glass or a sea like crystal. You're gonna be hanging out. You're gonna see the, the throne, the rainbow. You're gonna just be like an awestruck in this pure bliss, ecstatic state, a permanent ecstatic state, like the best drug trip you've ever been on, and you're going to be in this permanent state of glory and adoration that all you can do is have a conversation. All you can do is worship. So if you don't like worship now, and you don't like prayer now, well, guess what? You're not going to like heaven. And so this is what God is trying to get into us, is a heaven on earth through us reality. That's the prayer in Matthew 6, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever's going on in heaven would come down and be manifest through our lives, administratively through our lives and our everyday. That is the will of God. Connected to what I'm saying right now, to pray without ceasing, to continue conversation, interaction, communication, conversation with your creator. This word, literally, where it says this, man, I feel the spirit of God on this right now. I feel the Holy Spirit really weighing heavy on this truth right now. And if you break down when Paul says pray without ceasing, it actually means to pray without unnecessary interval. To pray without unnecessary interval. Okay, there is necessary intervals in life and there are unnecessary intervals. Now, I'm not saying that, don't hear me this, I'm not saying Sean, Sean is not saying to you that if you don't pray 24 hours a day, you're a horrible person. I'm just saying that God wants to introduce and reintroduce and revive a God consciousness in our lives so that we are aware, are more aware of God that even when we're watching our favorite Netflix series, that we are aware of God and we can be having a conversation with God even while we're doing something. And it's not that we're speaking out loud all the time. It's simply a consciousness. It's a consciousness of the, of the fact that God is a 24-7 God who is involved and, and literally in every situation, in everything that we do. He's in our every day. So praying without ceasing, without any unnecessary interval. And I, I leaned on this very early on. And, I, and, I, and I, like I said in the beginning of this message, learning how to have constant communication and then seeing that shift into conversation wherever I was. It wasn't just about then uh, a prayer moment or a prayer meeting or a specific allotted time. Those are good and you should have specific allotted times. It's kind of like going on a date. You need to have scheduled moments where there is no distraction. But God also wants to teach us to continue to have conversation 
while there is distraction so we can include God in it to help us get out of it, if that makes sense. When our life is being distracted by all kinds of things, it's very easy to go into anxiety, very easy to go into carrying the weight of the world, but man, God wants to give us an ability, a new ability to manage these weights, to manage these burdens by simply learning how to have constant conversation. And this is what I learned very on. It's in marriage. It's in marriage. It's like, you know, there are some couples that I know that have an open door policy on everything. And I think that's the healthiest way to live in marriage, to have an open door policy on having a conversation about anything and about anything at any time. Now, obviously, there's context. You're not going to have certain conversations in certain settings, but, but there's an open door policy. That's kind of, it, it's an illustration for our relationship with God. Marriage is an illustration for our relationship with God, where we become one with God. We're united as one, where, where God is always open, waiting for you to come and have a chat. He's always open for you to sit down in the morning with your coffee and have a chat. With God, you know, that's why, you know, the, the, the drink of heaven is coffee, you know, he brews, you know, I'm just joking. But anyways, so that's, th- this is the, the, what God's inviting us into in this, this season. You know, some people have a, uh, parents out there, you have a, a open door policy in the bathroom. That's why you have no privacy ever. And that's why you're stressed out all the time because the bathroom is your only place of solitude, and you have a hard time even taking a you-know-what because your kids are invading your space. Well, that's the kind of all-access pass that God has given us. On the cross in John 19, Jesus said, it's finished. It's finished. The process is done. I have torn the veil between humanity and God forever. I have removed the wall. I have removed the obstacle, okay? In that place where Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he opened the door to a 24-7 all-access pass to all humanity. That I don't have to be in a spiritual moment. I don't have to be, you know, I can be in the worst place possible in my life. And God's like, I'm here. I'm open. Hebrews 4, verse 16, it says this, to boldly, boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. So boldly, I have created a space for you through the blood of Jesus. I've torn the veil on a cross. I've made it available for you to come to me at any point, at any time. If you're doing bad, if you're feeling horrible, or if you're feeling great, it doesn't matter how much shame you have, how much condemnation you feel, how bad you feel like you failed or messed up. God is a loving father, a good dad who's saying, listen, I'm always here. I'm always waiting. I'm always open to give you a big, big bear hug, the biggest bear hug you've ever had in your life. All you have to do is step into. You can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. I love how it says it. If you read it in Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16 out of the message, I'm just gonna fast forward a little bit. It says here in the bottom of that message, bottom of the message translation in the latter part of verse 15 and 16. So let's, I love this, let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Love that. Simple. It's another way of saying you can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. He says, walk right up to him. Walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Listen, God wants to give you the things he wants to give you more than you want to get the things he wants to give you. The beautiful thing about God is that he first loved us. 
he first was generous to us. John 3, verse 16, for God so loved humanity, so loved the world that he gave. He was generous. He wants to give you things more than you want to get the things. And that's an amazing revelation to get a hold of in a season like this when we're on quarantine. And really, you know, if there was ever a time to go after the things of God in our lives, it's now. It is now in this place of of new self-awareness, in this place of healing, in this place of God digging up the stones in our life that are stopping the root systems from going down deep, like a farmer would go out before, before you know, he goes into the planting season, get rid of the stones because the stones could block the ability for the seed to produce and then the harvest to happen. And so you have to go out into the field and pick the stones out. It's a tedious thing, but God wants to remove the stones in this season so he could put the seed inside your heart. And if there was ever a season to get rid of some of these stones, it's now so that he can put in you what he's always wanted to give you in Jesus' name. And so number one, that was a long point. We have have an all-the-time mindset. Think about what Paul said, to pray all the time without ceasing. Number two, we have have an everything mindset. We need to have an all-the-time mindset. We need to have an everything mindset. Once again, Paul. Paul writes to the Philippian church, the Philippian believers. He writes this from jail, one of his jail letters. From jail, writes in verse six of chapter four, out of the voice translation, says this. Don't be anxious about things. Instead, pray. Pray about everything. I love that. Pray about everything. Then it says this. He longs to hear your requests. So talk to God about your needs and be thankful for what has come. Now, we know also in scripture that God actually says, I know everything that you need and I know it before you even ask me. So what is the point? What's the point of asking someone that already knows everything that I need? God wants to develop conversation. He wants to develop where you begin to, out of your faith, you begin out of your faith, bring your requests to God. He longs to hear your requests. He wants, to, he wants you to hear yourself talk to him. I know that sounds really strange, but it's true because he knows what you're going to say. He knows how you're going to say it. He knows what you need before you even ask it. He wants to develop relationship. Part of relationship is communication. Part of healthy communication is seeing it go to conversation. And so if he can get you to at least as a starting point, bring your request, or in some translations it would say supplication, to bring your request to God, then he can begin to engage you. So that now, now when he gives it to you, you can say, wow, I mean, God is listening to me. God is hearing me. If you never had to ask God anything, then every time God would do anything, you would have no way or there'd be no motivation or response to thank him or worship him because he's good. He wants to be the one that gets the credit because you actually step out and have conversation and then see the power of your prayers. It's like Elijah and James says that Elijah was a man like us. The, the prayers of a righteous man avails much. He wants you to see the power of your prayers that are aligned with him. That's what he wants. And so he invites us into this journey of, of, of bringing our request. It says he longs, I love how the voice translation puts it, he longs for our request. In the New King James, it says this, in everything, bring, in everything, in prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. 
and everything in prayer and supplication. Now, this word actually means a heartfelt petition, aspiring or, or arising out of a deep personal need or desire, okay? This, this, the root of this ultimately roots back to and implies a felt need that is personal and urgent. He wants to hear your urge. He wants to hear the urgency. He wants to hear what's most pressing on you because probably what's most pressing on you right now is what's causing you most anxiety. Listen, anxiety for the most part, outside of anxiety issues, anxiety for the most part that comes and goes is a result of unprocessed emotion. The reason why many of us and all of us at some level experience a measure of it doesn't mean that we have, let's say, a diagnosed sense of challenging anxiety that stays with us all the time, even though part of that also is this. There's an element of God wants to teach us how to process all of the things that are urgently pressing on us. Because a lot of the reason why we feel anxiety and manifest anxiety is unprocessed pressure that we're living day in and day out. I mean, if you're, you know, high-pressure job or high-pressure financial situations that you're in right now, high-pressure um, family scenarios, divorce, relational breakdown, all these things that are causing anxiety, when you begin to process these things in an everyday, all-the-time manner, I'm telling you, you will, you will begin to see a huge part of that feeling of anxiety lifted, okay? Now, I'm not diminishing, you know, medication out there. I'm not diminishing some of, other, some of the other elements or realities around people's journey with anxiety, but I do want to encourage you to, as much as possible, process your anxiety with God. Process the things that are on you that are causing that anxiety. Even, hopefully, you can be aware of some of that, and watch how God begins to lift the load a little bit. Watch how God begins to make that burden and all of a sudden give you a lightness to your load, a lightness to your step, a lightness to your, your walk. I remember just talking about this having an everything mindset, praying about everything. It, it, it kind of stems from this idea that God cares about the details. Psalms 37 says, God delights in every detail of our lives. He delights, he delights in the details. He wants to be in your details. I can't tell you how many stories I have, okay, how many times that I prayed about the stupidest, like, you know, that felt stupid to me. Like, why am I praying about this? Like, why am I asking God for these little material possessions? Or why am I asking God? It feels like, it, you know, I can just go out and do it or buy it or save for it. I can be practical with it. I remember we moved to a new house in 2011, and uh, we were, like, tapped out. And we just moved in, in transition. And I started praying. I needed a lawnmower. Because the, the house prior, I used one of those, like, um, you know, like, manual blade lawnmowers from, like, the cartoon era, you know? Those little blade, you know, the blade lawnmowers. And so I had one of those, and I couldn't do that anymore on this new lawn that I had. It was just, it wasn't working properly. And so I started praying, God, I need a lawnmower. I started literally praying about the detail, bringing my request to God because he cares. He longs to hear my request. Remember, I'm praying about everything. I begin to bring this request. God, give me a lawnmower. I'm praying for a lawnmower. And literally within a few weeks, okay, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, someone texts me and says, Sean, I feel I'm called to buy you a lawnmower. I'm like, what? It's crazy. Why? Because God cares about the everything. He cares about the little things. He cares about, now I'm not saying, okay, get selfish, get all weird, and start praying for a Rolls Royce, a Bentley, and all these different things. Like, I'm not going there, okay? But I, I, God knows your need. God knows your heart. He looks at the heart. And, you know, it says that he delights 
God delights in those. If you delight yourself in the Lord, in Psalms 37, he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself, that word for delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, the requests, the things that are, you're longing for in your heart, that word for delight literally means to have a heart that's soft towards him. God looks at the heart. God can see that your requests are coming from a soft heart, not a hard heart full of pride, not a hard heart full of, I want to show people, God, give me this, you know, I'm praying for a rolls. I'm not saying you can't do that. Okay? I, I, I'm not doing that. You can do whatever you want to do. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. You know, God knows the why. And God looks at the heart and says, okay, these requests are coming from the right motivation. I'm connected to that. I'm, I'm in on that. I don't want to give him something that's going to ruin him because everything often that we want out of selfish ambition, if we get it, actually ends up ruining us in the end. And so there is an element of balance to what I'm talking about. But God wants us to have an everything mindset. Number three, number three, last point. We also need to have a listening mindset. See, this is how God's shifting the mindset. We want to have an all-the-time mindset, an everything mindset when it comes to prayer, and God wants us to have a listening mindset. Psalms, verse 46, verse 10, or chapter 46, verse 10. You've all, all probably heard this verse hundreds of times. Psalms, chapter 46, verse 10 says this, Be still and know recognize, understand, that's what the word means, to know. To know God is to know by experience, to perceive him and understand who he is, understand his ways. By the way, if you haven't noticed, I feel like I'm teaching a little bit more today. I'm breaking things down a little more systematically for you on purpose as we move into this season. It says here, 46 verse 10, be still and know, to know, to perceive and understand who God is, to know that I am God. How do we know that God is God? How do we know that he is the I am God? How do we know and perceive and understand and have an experience, an experiential knowledge of God is being still. What happens when you're still? Well, you're probably listening. You're aware. You've quieted yourself. You're not necessarily talking. You're not the one that's, you know, chattering all the time. You're not the one that's communicating all the time. You're just simply opening yourself up and positioning yourself for the latter part of the conversation. You've already communicated your request, you've been praying all the time, you've been praying about everything, all the time it's in your every day, your 24 hour a day, you're just always including him, always including him. And now taking time to sit, stop, have like a moment, have like a sabbatical moment, a Sabbath, a Sabbath moment, and, and just be still and listen. This is a huge part of prayer. People don't realize this. This is, this is what we call contemplative prayer, where you're sitting, you're meditating, you're listening, you're opening yourself up, you're not busybodying yourself. This is a huge part of our prayer life. In other translations, it says this, cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving, cease trying. It's like, you know, in John 15, talks about the branch. If the branch abides in the vine, it will produce fruit. Jesus being the vine, God the Father being the vine dresser that prunes back the tree, us as the people of God connected in relationship to God being the branches. It says that if a branch abides in the vine, it will produce much fruit. Have you ever seen a branch outside striving to produce fruit? Have you ever seen a branch moving and trying to get fruit and push fruit out? No, the branch just simply is connected simply stays joined, simply just rests, simply remains still, connected in the vine, confidently, 
And as a result, it produces fruit. The overflow of rest, the overflow of stillness, the overflow of contemplative prayer, meditation, focusing, relaxing, staying connected by the revelation that Jesus is never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. In that place, simply fruit begins to happen. That is the life of a believer in Christ. Fruit happens. Fruit happens as a result of connectedness. And we are all learning. We are all learning this in this season, especially I think for a lot of people, for some people it's become a lot busier. For some people they've lost everything. For some people they don't know what to do with themselves. For some people things have just gotten a little bit quieter. They found more, more moments to be still, to see striving. And it's in these places that I believe the greatest fruit begins to develop in and through our lives. I honestly, in the beginning of my journey with God, when I was really uh, pressing in for seeing the supernatural follow me wherever I was and really learning to recognize the voice of God and really just, I literally would sit and honest to God, I would sit for hours in silence, just listening. I would sit for hours. This Psalms 46 verse 10, I would literally, that verse was like a, a, a key to a doorway in my life to unlock something within my life. Even if I left that two and a half hours of stillness with nothing, it started to become irrelevant to me because sometimes even with your spouse, a friend, you don't have to always be talking. You don't have to have this crazy revelation. Sometimes just sitting with your spouse, sitting with your friend on the couch, saying nothing is all you need. Just being in the presence of someone sometimes is just as powerful as having a conversation with someone. And this is the kind of, this is the, the element of relationship that God wants to build, or one of the elements in this season, is learning to be still with him and just know. Just perceive and understand that he's a good God. Even when he's not telling you what to do or how to do it or giving you some sort of strategy or vision or, or you know, you know uh, crazy word or, or whatever the case may be, just learning to sit last night in my office as I was praying about this, I just, I sat there for a good hour, hour and a half, not praying, not talking, just simply sitting, sitting, just sitting in his presence, not even having worship music on, just sitting, focusing my attention, focusing my, my thoughts. Like Paul writes uh, to the, uh, the, church, uh, uh, the church of Colossians, he says, uh, the, the people of, of the city of Coloss, the believers there, he says, keep your mind fixed on things above where Christ is seated in heavenly places. Keep your mind fixed, focused on things above. Such an important truth. And, and it's a challenging thing for a lot of us that are doers, that want to get stuff done, and we feel like just sitting doing nothing is useless. Let me just tell you, it is not useless. When it's in faith and when it's by revelation that he is with you 24 hours a day, you can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need, Hebrews 4, verse 16. From that space and from that revelation is all you need to realize that God is with you all the time. He's with you every day. He's with you during your laundry. 
He's with you during your dishes. He's with you doing your gardening. He's with you driving your car to the mechanic to get it fixed. He's with you while you're in your arguments with your wife or in your good times with your wife or your spouse or your husband. He's with you while you're working. He's with you while you're with your kids, parenting. You guys, he's with you all of the time. We never have to pray prayers like, God be with us today. He always is. If you've let him into your life, guess what? He's in you and he's in you to stay. He's made his home in your heart, the deepest part of your very being. He is with you all the time. 